You've found the podcast where driving matters. Whether you haul, commute, or cruise, we want you to love what you drive. We're here to help you find usability and fun. From first-time buyers to jaded experts, we believe everyone is one great car away from being car-obsessed. I'm Paul. I'm Todd. And this is the Everyday Driver Car Debate. Happy day after Halloween, everyone. Did you like our costumes? <laughs> we were... We might make an appearance in the film of uh, Cars of the Past, film number three. Yes. We are editing the North piece, and and we have have costumed gag sections. This is North, yeah. So so as a result, we were like, you know what? It's costume time of year. We'll just put that out there. We're not going to tell you what that's about yet. It'll make sense, hopefully, and also be hopefully funny when you actually see the North piece coming up in a few weeks. We're in the midst of that. We're about to leave to drive south, which is Mm. very cool. So we're very excited to share that with you as well. We are loving these road trips, and thank you to all of you that have responded positively. Welcome back to the podcast. We have stuff to talk about today. Yes, we do. Next podcast episode is number 750. 750. That's that's a lot of episodes. It's a lot of you and I talking about cars. And a lot of you listening about cars. Thank you. That's great. This one just happens to be all the non-car questions yep. that you might have for us. Mm-hmm. And we will be live streaming on our Test Drive channel. Yep. November 3rd, November right? The 3rd. 2022. Yep. yep. Thursday night, 9 p.m. Eastern. 7 p.m. our time here, Mountain Time, and that means it'll be 6 p.m. Pacific. We will be live on the Test Drive Videos channel. That's youtube.com slash test drive videos, or you can go to our website. You can get there that way. We're happy for you to send us questions ahead of time. The stuff you send ahead of time doesn't mean it has any better chance of getting on, and we might not see it because it's a fire hose of questions when we do this. It will be. And they come in live, and it's awesome, and thank you guys for the engagement on that. Your car's dashboard is on the front line in the battle against the sun. And it can really deteriorate over time due to UV damage. A custom Covercraft dash mat protects your dash and keeps it looking new, as well as complementing your interior. These dash mats are available in a wide variety of fabric styles and colors. You can even customize with embroidery or logo. You could put an Everyday Driver logo on it if you wanted. You can make it completely unique to you and your car. Can we get an 86 with the Everyday Driver logo in the corner, maybe intertwine them? you got to work on that, Paul. When you're shopping at Covercraft.com, just remember, use the code EVERYDAY22 to get a 10% discount, and it ships for free. Follow the link from our sponsors page at everydaydriver.com, or navigate directly to covercraft.com for high-quality covers, sunscreens, and dash mats to keep your car protected and looking its best. Our topic Tuesday comes to us from Henry in Kentucky. This is catnip for me. Uh-huh. He asks, what causes ugly cars? I noticed you, you put a few people's questions together. And I also people noticed been writing to us about under this, this ugly car question, I also noticed that multiple people, when they start talking ugly cars in the current market, they all mention BMW. I find that fascinating. Well, anyway. Henry's email starts out because he was driving behind an older Chevy Trailblazer, the awkward-looking, ungainly first generation from mm-hmm. the 2000s, and it made him wonder... What is the root cause of such an ugly vehicle? Product planners, engineers, and designers start with a clean sheet when creating a new model. What goes wrong in the process, and why is that end result so ugly? His first thought was the need to control cost of materials and production techniques, but that doesn't explain everything. He wants us to explore this question. Mm. Then, Greg Witherspoon sends us an article written in Autoblog by Ronan Glan about BMW's boss who defends the new XM styling. Mm. Oliver Zipsa argued that a controversial-looking car is better than one that leaves onlookers indifferent, and he pledged to continue pushing the envelope. Mm -hmm. He said, if you want to change design, quoting from Ronan's article, any step into the future that is perceived as new will be controversial automatically. 
There's no such thing as a future-oriented design without controversy that he explained that to Australian publication Car Sales. Zipsa cited the cars designed under Chris Bangle. We all know the Bangle-era cars. Yes, we do, yes. And then he said the i7, as an example, will never be a mass-market car. Mm-hmm. It will only be a super minority of people who will sit in that car, and the majority of people will never sit in the car. It only must be appealing to the customers who are in that segment, not anybody else, Mr. Zipsa clarified. Interesting side note here. You can get away with ugly if many people can't have it. If it's for a select few... Rolls-Royce Cullinan? Here's the thing. The select few that can afford to buy it will buy it just because they can and others can't. And the fact that it's ugly is secondary to the fact that I can do that, which is terrible yeah. to say, but that mm-hmm. actually does exist. There is, a, there is a, a level of cash, and that's not most of us listening, but there is a level of cash, and we see it every now and then here in Park City, <laughs> Yeah, that, yeah. that is just, I have so much cash, I'm going to buy the stuff that makes no sense or isn't attractive or isn't even good. But I'm going to buy it because I can and others can't. There is that level. And yes, that's sure. terrifying to say about the i7. That it, it can be ugly because only a few people can afford yeah. it. Oh, wow. Well, Mr. Zipsa also stressed that BMW will continue to give high-volume models like the 3 and the 5 Series, the X1 and the X5, relatively conservative-looking designs. He's even admitting the, the volume sellers, the cars that actually need to sell to make the money so they can mm-hmm. go play around and experiment with others, yeah, yeah, yeah. won't be as controversial. Mm-hmm. Mr. Zipsa wants controversy. He says if we don't have controversy in the early design process, he already knows it's too easy, he told car sales. Quoting this, out of the controversy, you get engagement. You get people thinking about it and thinking about alternatives. It's that no press is bad press concept. I suppose. You know, or even, you know, the bad press is still good. You know what I mean? That whole thing. At least people are talking about us, which I, yeah, yeah, we're all yes. saying that it's ugly. But anyway, yes. yeah. Well, then Scott H. wrote to us. Briefly, he says the worst things from BMW are those Grand Coupe things and the SUV hatchback things. Uh-huh. But the beaver teeth don't really upset him that much. He's more offended with BMW by the gratuitous expense of buying and owning one. He spent it's a fraction the of the cost so on much. WRX. It's the ownership that bothers me. <laughs> yes. <laughs> there is a lot to unpack here. Yep. But let's get the obvious out of the way. Beauty is in the eye of the beholder, and you're welcome to like whatever you want to like. Sure, of course. Your taste is your taste. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I love that the beaver teeth concept is working its way through the industry. We're hearing it in other places. I love that. Yes. But the other thing we're starting to hear now is, oh, I've gotten used to it. Or, or it's yeah. grown on me or whatever. And I'm, I'm going to say something here. We, we That's sometimes, okay. Growing, a design growing on you is absolutely. fine. We sometimes equate relationship with cars with a relationship with people. I'm going to say this to you because you probably all experience this. Have you ever kind of fallen for somebody you didn't think was attractive initially? You saw them and you're kind of like, ah, no, not, see, not, they did nothing for me. You see them across the room. You're just like, I, that's, not my, that's not my style of person. But then you got to know them and you just connected and fast forward a month or so of hanging out with that True. person, and suddenly you look at them, and they're just beautiful. Well, by the way, newsflash, they're just as unattractive as they were when you met them <laughs> on, your, on your just <laughs> judging on view. Yeah, yeah. They're, they didn't become more attractive. They actually look the same. It's just because it has connected with you and you have enjoyment, yes. now it looks fine to me. This is what's happening with these cars is people know they're good to drive, are dreaming about having them. They're seeing them around more. And now, I'm, you know, I'm just used to it. It's fine. It didn't become attractive, folks. I'm going to put true. it out there. If you very didn't true. like this design when it first was out, 
it hasn't gotten more attractive. I just saw one literally on the way over here. I saw an electric BMW. I, I couldn't have planned this better. Was it the i4 or the i7? It was the i7. I saw one. No kidding. Electric, it, it may have been the 4 because I only got a glimpse at the SUV because there was an SUV followed by the M3 and they were back to back. I got to see electric versus normal, naturally, I mean, uh, internal combustion beaver teeth, like back to back. And I was like, neither of those are good looking from the front. So my BMW is ugly, but man, does it have a great personality? Yes, it does. It has a great personality. (laughs) Yeah. Well, if an ugly product sells well, then we're wrong about it. We might be in the minority. If ugly sells, then we're wrong. Because in my opinion, product has to sell. For Mm -hmm. product designers, cars are just big expensive products. You have to be able to design something that can be sold for profit. You want to make money by mm-hmm, making mm-hmm. multiple copies of that product to sell, and you want good sales to justify the tooling and the investment that you put into this product, but also make some money for the next whatever product yeah, that yeah, is. Yeah. Okay? And regarding ugly newer cars, we, have, we can all talk about the past cars, plenty of cars in the past that were ugly. But what about the newer ones besides BMW? Okay. Scott, I think I'm with you on the Subaru WRX. He can't stand the new one. Mm. He's, he's got a 2013 that he likes. The Lamborghini Urus, that's actually grown worse. I liked it at first, and it's gone the other way. The more I see it, the worse I like. <laughs> that's not improving over time, is it? You've talked about the first-generation Porsche Panamera, Todd. Yes. I love the second generation. I was willing to acknowledge things about the first one because uh-huh. yeah. it did what it was supposed to do. Four door nine eleven actually carried people without yes. compromising the rear space. Yes, but again, form follows function, and it because it carried people. This is how it looks. That's what we were stuck with. The Tesla Cybertruck. Which way do you think that's everyone. going? Not for everyone. That not was tactfully for put. everyone. Well, but currently, sorry, I have to get a dig in here because it's low-hanging fruit. Currently, not for anyone. I just <laughs> want to say it. True, you know, at some true. point, maybe that changes, but currently, not for anyone. Yeah. <laughs> Last generation, Honda Civic. The 10th generation. Sure, yeah. The Honda Cross Tour. That's kind of borderline. It's starting to get old now, but still. Yeah, it's that still backpack-y, that, that's not hatchy, working. Yeah. What is that yeah. thing? Yeah. We talked about the Infiniti QX80 and Nissan Armada. Mm-hmm. We affectionately call the Infinity the Narwhale. Yes. I don't know how affectionately, but it is the Narwhale. It just looks like a Narwhale. It's the Narwhale. Uh-huh. And, of course, the current Toyota Prius. Not attractive. That's well, not a pretty car. And also, what's funny is the Prius has gotten, I will, I will venture this, more attractive with every generation. Go back and look at the first-gen Prius. Look at the progression of Prii and see that they actually are becoming more attractive. And when you look at them in reflection, I think they are. <laughs> we look at them in reflection, you are staggered by how unattractive Gen 1 was. (laughs) True. Okay, so let's apply this statement from Mr. Zipsa. Out of controversy, you get engagement. Yes, Uh I do agree with that. Absolutely, yes. But that doesn't mean I want to buy the product, and I'm not obligated to buy the product if I don't want to buy it. True, true, true. And he also said, there's no such thing as future-oriented design without controversy. I am not sure that I agree here. I don't agree with that. But Mr. Zipsa is the boss of BMW. He's the CEO. Mm Mm-hmm. Why does controversy have to be introduced to sell a product? If it actually prevents sales, then you've done it wrong. True, true. But I do acknowledge you want people to notice your design. You want mm-hmm, people to notice mm-hmm. your art. You want people to, yeah, yeah, yeah. here I am. Mm-hmm. And hopefully people will buy it because they want to be noticed. Yeah, yeah. But we should apply that to architecture, both residential and commercial. Okay, You've probably seen brutalist post-war architecture from the 1950s. Mm-hmm. There's actually some buildings that are appropriate for the usage. The Marcel Brewer Art and Space Building. It's the Brewer Building in New York City. Mm-hmm. It actually works. It's brutalist, but it's not as bad as some of them. Okay. But then there's, of course, Frank Lloyd Wright, 
who designed some minimalist structures that were mm-hmm. starkly beautiful and they've stood the test of time. Yeah, they have. Let's talk about fashion. Have you ever come across an old shirt and thought, I can't believe I wore that and why is it still in my closet? <laughs> Why did I choose that? Why did I pay money for this that? This might be most of my closet. Anyway, yeah, side note. Why on earth do people buy Crocs, mm-hmm. put them on their feet, and actually wear them out in public? Because I hear they are comfortable. That's what I hear. I don't have any interest. For I, 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 I read an over four. I read a comment from a mom who was like, so my son and, now, and I now have the same size feet, and he really wanted Crocs, and I just put them on to go outside and realized, dang it, they are comfortable. <laughs> They sell like crazy. People love them. Oh, yeah. It's, I cannot believe there are croc stores. Yes. Well, anyway, yeah. ugly does sell to people. Mm. Enough to build a business case on it. And again, the desire to be noticed overrides any of those warning bells clanging in the back of your head that tell you that you should look classy and presentable. Mm. But you can always wear crocs. I had a friend who the last time, this is a guy I grew up with. And I need you to understand, this was like my buddy, like early teens where my son is now, like the, the 12 to 14 era. This was my mm. closest friend in the world. Okay. okay? okay. We, were, we were always together anytime we could be. All right. Close, close friend. Okay. And then just one of those things where his life went one way and mine went another. And I've seen him, I think, twice in my adult life. But the last time I hung out with him was probably now at least a decade ago. And I happened to see him. I was in Dallas, happened to to peel off some time and and got to go to to dinner with him. And he said to me with a straight face, yeah, I'm wearing my good Crocs tonight. Okay. Now he was very successful in a customer service call center. Okay. For like a big company. So he, he'd done it for a long time. So he has his work Crocs. People don't see you. You're not public facing. And he was out for dinner with me. And he said straight, yeah, I've got on my good Crocs tonight. And I thought, that's a sentence I never thought I'd hear, but okay, good Crocs. Well, Henry, any good design school will teach their students from the very beginning that form follows function. As I've said, except all of this controversy that Todd and I are talking about proves without a doubt that not only are cars built only to pay for the health care for the people who design and build them. <laughs> <laughs> it's Tell me I'm wrong. Healthcare designs. Tell there me we I'm go. Wrong. I like it. That's good. Okay. But it proves cars are a fashion item and yes. an extension of your personality and taste. Mm-hmm. Now, I did some digging, Henry. Dagny Dukech is an associate editor at Harvard Business Review in Boston, and she wrote about ugly food in November and December of 2021. She interviewed Siddhanth Mukherjee. Apologies if I butcher the names. He is a lecturer and marketing PhD candidate at the University of British Columbia School of Business. Quoting directly from Dagny's article. Sedanth and his colleagues at the University of British Columbia conducted a series of studies exploring the impact of labeling visually atypical produce as ugly. They found that despite managers' and store owners' reluctance to use that language, it generated more customer purchases than euphemisms such as imperfect or discounted. Mm. And the conclusion of the team was to sell an ugly product? Just call it that. Interesting. Yeah. So... Mukherjee responded that each year in the United States alone, retailers throw away more than $15 billion worth of edible produce, and farmers discard almost a third of their crops because of purely cosmetic imperfections. Mm -hmm. We are picky. It is clear that food waste is a huge issue both for the environment and the seller's bottom lines. Dagny writes, what's less clear is what we can do as consumers to make us more willing to buy these visually unattractive fruits and vegetables. (laughs) That's an ugly tomato. (laughs) She says that 
Uh, Sedan's team found 96% of managers think that the best way to market them is to underplay or shift the focus away from their appearance. But the team's field studies and lab experiments that looked at labeling strategies Mm. consistently found that consumers were most likely to purchase atypical produce when it was labeled ugly. That's fascinating. So Dagny continues, and she said, why does Sedan think that's the case? Mm. Here's the meat of everything. He responded, there's an established psychological phenomenon known as the ugliness penalty. Okay. Where people tend to ascribe negative characteristics to unattractive objects. In the context of buying groceries, she writes, people did indeed assume that ugly produce would be less tasty and less healthful. (laughs) (laughs) And those perceptions drove their purchasing decisions, of course. I'm going to buy the pretty tomato because it's going to be better for me. (laughs) Yes, exactly right. Unbelievable. That's so who we are. But Sedan's team found when you explicitly acknowledge that produce is ugly, you emphasize the fact that its appearance is the only thing wrong with it, essentially interrupting and counteracting the bias against visually imperfect food. Okay, so my BMW is ugly, (laughs) but my M4 drives great. Yes. Ugly, but fast. And so, therefore, as applied to cars, there must be something wrong with the car if it's ugly, right? Maybe not. Yeah, so true, true, true. Well, you listening are going to have to drive it, and what, as all journalists do, mm, call journalists? We're all going to find, find out. Find out. Yeah, that's your least favorite thing. But, but we've said before, you know, the first-gen Panamera, not attractive, drives great. Drives great. Yes. Okay. That's the, the personality. Current, yeah, the current M3, M4 drives very well. Now, it's, they're all, all the BMWs are a little distant for me, but they've all gotten big and distant. But you cannot take away the fact that it will just destroy a road and most of the other cars around it. Forget how it looks for a second. Mm-hmm. So that definitely is a thing. I want to come back to where Henry started here, and I want to say this real quick, and I want you to kind of help me out on it, Paul. One of the other ways that these cars end up ugly, I mean, in BMW, they are, they're swinging for the fences. They, they've found the ugly fence, and they're just swinging straight for that. They're just like, let's try, let's go that, because at least people are talking. And I will say this, sorry, a little side note there. We are bombarded now because of our phones and because of the internet. We are bombarded with stuff to look at constantly. So really, if you're selling a product, the only thing you really have to do is cut through. And ugly can cut through just as well ugly as gorgeous cuts can through. cut through. Ugly goes clear to the bone. It does. And Beauty's only skin deep. <laughs> yikes. Ugly goes clear yikes, to the yikes, bone. Yikes, 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 <laughs> but, yikes. But, and I hate to say it, but look, we see, this, we see this in news and culture and anything. We don't obsess over the good news we heard yesterday. That's true. We obsess over the bad news we heard five minutes ago or two weeks ago or whenever. We are aware the bad news cuts through. The ugly cuts through, too. I can see that BMW just wants us talking, and here we are, 15 minutes in, talking about BMW. Yeah, so that does play. Yeah. But I also think there's another factor here, and Henry, Henry touches on it, and I want to bring it up, and that is you wonder how things end up ugly. But, Henry, not everybody is starting with a clean sheet. That's true. And you take a situation like Chevy with the Trailblazer, and this is GM, an embedded car company, who isn't going to make brand new parts completely for our new Trailblazer. So the design department has to, you know what, use that axle off of this car Mm. and use this engine off of that car and use these seats that we already are making in mass have got to fit. I mean, every car company is guilty of that. For sure. But GM is, I mean, this is one of the ways GM has been volume forever. (laughs) Some of the V6 engines date from the 1950s. So if you have have something, I'll give it to you this way. The Trailblazer versus the Corvette. Uh-huh. The Corvette is given a lot of leash to go make that car the new Corvette. True. The Trailblazer is not the first thing you think of when someone says Chevrolet, ever. 
It's right in the dead middle of the lineup. So it's going to be stealing parts from over here and over there. We're going to make a trailblazer. We're going to have to make some bespoke stuff for the trailblazer, but it's going to be as little as possible. Mm-hmm. So let's design around the parts we know we have to use. And all of a sudden, it's like that. Sorry. It's like that moment in Apollo 13 where they have to make the filter square peg round hole. Oh, yeah. And it's the most unattractive, fallen apart thing, but it works. It's that right. done in a little bit nicer way. The trailblazer has to work. We need a new trailblazer. But you know what? Don't spend much money and you have to use all these parts. And so the design that could have been cool, I'd love to see the design before they had to adapt it to all the things. Then the design is adapted and it looks, well, worse. I mean, as a designer, I'm imagining myself as a designer in the studio Mm -hmm. being told, okay, got to design a new Chevy Trailblazer back then, let's Mm -hmm. say. Even now. Well, even sure. But all these mid-grade SUVs are this way. That's true. They're they're in the middle of the lineup. We got to borrow stuff. You can't change anything. You want as an aesthetic, aesthetically driven person. You mm-hmm. want to make something beautiful. Yeah. You want to yeah, yeah. make something pleasing. But clearly not in the BMW design studio or Subaru or maybe <laughs> Porsche for the Panamera or sure, some sure. others where they might choose a deliberately off, proportionally off mm-hmm. sketch. And you know what? That's, that's interesting. I don't love it, but it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What would that do for sales? But on the other hand... Mr. Zipsa has said the bread and butter models mm-hmm. are going to continue on as decent. Yeah, normal. But the super high-end stuff, they're going to go nuts with. They're going to go people crazy. people are going to buy it anyway because they can and should, so well, to speak. You're, to your point, because they can, there uh-huh. is a lot of that. It's terrible, but it's true. It, it's, that's a play. And, you know, I want to mention that the Panamera relates here. but We keep circling back to it. But here's the thing. The guy that was, that was running the program, maybe even Porsche at the time, I forget exactly which person it was, but there was somebody vital to the Panamera program who was over six feet tall, and he wanted to be able to fit in every seat. Mm-hmm. And I am certain that they had plenty of designs making the four-door 911 that looked better. For sure. he couldn't fit in the back seat. So he is the part, if you will, that cannot be adjusted. He is the function. That's the so, function So, okay, part. we got, yeah. you know what? Oh, that great line that looks like the 911, I got to bring it way up and make it this weird balloony line because I got to fit over his darn head. Yeah, you, you know? know they pushed it yeah, for millimeters sure. for sure. up. Henry, if we're surrounded by thoughtful, beautiful products and fashion and architecture, is that a bad thing, though? Mm. Because cheap products can be beautiful. Expensive sure. products can be beautiful. Expensive products can be ugly, as we talk, they can be ugly, talk about. Yeah. But in my opinion, every designer should strive for thought-provoking, yet interesting and beautiful products to fill the earth. I think they'll last much longer, and they'll sell more, ultimately. Mm. Crocs mm. aside, Crocs are like an anomaly. <laughs> Maybe they're not. Maybe Crocs <laughs> well, are the not. beaver teeth of the footwear industry. They are. There you go. Henry, my professors at Art Center told us, our class, and I'm sure every class, that everything that you design and build as a professional will end up in the trash at some point. That is rather depressing <laughs> because it's a product, it'll break and it won't be renewed or it will, sure. a new yeah, model yeah. will come yeah, out yeah. and eventually down the line, 10, 20, 30, 50 years from now, mm-hmm. it'll hit the garbage. Yeah. Your precious design, the thing that you worked so hard on. Enslaved on, yeah. You thought was the thing. And eventually, it's going to hit the trash. Mm. That sucks. But if it's beautiful and everybody acknowledges it to be beautiful, I think that product has a chance to live on indefinitely. Look at an E-Type in the world of cars. Exactly right. Yeah. Now, we can't really control ugly food, even though there's geneticists and engineers that try to control the you know, yes. beauty and color of food. If your food gets up walks off the plate, be, be very <laughs> concerned. Time to change restaurants. <laughs> 
But ugly buildings and ugly products and ugly cars and clothes will get torn down and thrown away and discarded much sooner, in my opinion. Mm, Interesting. I agree with you. So I think that beauty is still something to ascribe to. We don't have to deliberately introduce controversy, even though it clearly works and I'm wrong. (laughs) But that's not where I imagine all the designers at BMW who design these awesome looking sets, all the sketches that we haven't seen. Mm Mm-hmm. And maybe beautiful designs for that sure, that were sure. discarded because they're not controversial. Yeah, yeah. But is it working? Again, if it doesn't translate to sales, mm. you did it wrong. But BMW is the king of niche. They yeah. don't want sales. They want sales for the X5. Overall, and the X5, they do, but they have blah, a slice blah, blah. of every possible variant of every possible car for a company that's actually kind of small in the grand scheme. Yeah, but that XM, no, it's not for everybody and it's not priced for everybody and you can't buy mm-hmm. it. And Scott, to your point, yeah, they're very expensive. So what does it come down to? Just like you said, I can buy that because nobody else can. Yeah, there is a layer of that. And BMW is tapping into that, the end, because if they design some inexpensive entry-level, not cool-looking BMW, Mm -hmm. but it's priced well, I don't think anybody buy it. (laughs) Well, this is the thing about the 2 Series Grand Coupe, which is not a BMW worth buying and also not all that attractive. Is that car selling? It's also $48,000. I know. And I, it's supposed to be the entry-level BMW. Yes. You should just buy yourself a Mini every it single it time. It sells with a Mini badge on it. That's yes, where it sells. that's where it sells. Those I, are cool I, looking. I don't know because I rarely ever see them. Maybe they're selling a lot, but I feel like they're not. I don't know. I saw a Rolls-Royce Cullinan in Heber City. Did you really? Couldn't believe it. I saw, fell over. I saw a white Escalade V today. Actually heard him before I saw him. Right, right. And of course, brand new dealer tag. And I thought it's Park City. Of course, you have one of those. And of course, you got it in white. And it was also about. By the way, it was the extended length. Of course, it was. It was the full extended length Escalade V with an engine that sounds like it's coming out of a fighter bomber, and that rolls by. It's like okay, uh, I hear real. you. I see it. Yeah. Seriously, every time a new car hits the market. Yep. We see it in Park City about three weeks later. Yeah, it's crazy how fast. Yeah, I wish we could get our hands on them that fast. <laughs> no, but somebody here, this is that I can buy it, so I will <laughs> tactic. Right. It's going on here all the time. But the Escalade V has power. It's It might be ugly. It might not be for everybody. It's but a brick man. with chrome and a bomb under the hood. Brick with power. It is. When you want to wash your car but you're short on time, Grios has two new ideas for fast and easy washing in your garage or driveway without even having to rinse. Try the rinseless wash and wax kit or the waterless PFM spray-on car wash kit from Griot's Garage. They're both ideal if the weather has gotten colder outside or you're an apartment dweller or if you live in an area where hose and bucket washing is restricted or inconvenient. You can get a perfect wash indoors or out in a quarter of the time it takes to wash a car normally. These kits are a no-hassle way to keep your car looking really sharp. Remember, Griot's Garage products are 100% guaranteed and all their liquid products are made right here in the USA. When you're ordering at griosgarage.com, use the code EDRIVER for 15% off liquids and 10% off everything else on your order just for our audience. That's G-R-I-O-T-S. Enjoy the finest quality car care products you can buy at griosgarage.com. Austin S. is in northwest Arkansas. Asking, can one upgrade to a Prius? Asking for a friend. <laughs> upgrade way, and Prius I, in the same sentence. I am also the friend, yeah. <laughs> well, Austin has a problem. His minister of finance is tired of hearing him debate endlessly with himself. <laughs> if she hears one more, what do you think about insert car here? Or would you drive a blank kind of car? <laughs> he might soon be looking for a new minister of finance and a new car. <laughs> He's going to drive her out with the car questions. Let's not do that. He said in the interest of her sanity and their marriage collectively, he's writing us to try to solve this problem. 
Here are the details of his car nundrum. I, mm, I like that. That's good. His wife's annoyingly reliable 2015 Jeep <laughs> Cherokee <laughs> is finally going away in the next few months. They road trip often. Every mile of the road is beginning to feel lucky at 130,000 miles on the odometer. He's got a fun car in the stable, his lightly modified and very fun blue Fiesta ST with orange Recaros. Very cool. Yeah, very nice. So the replacement doesn't necessarily have to be fun. They're in northwest Arkansas, where harsh winters are not impossible, but they're not frequent. Okay. They just moved there, and he's finally driving the Fiesta on twisty, fun roads instead of depressing, flat, and boring Dallas roads. They are. Look, for all of the things that all Dallas right. has going for it, roads is, I mean, <laughs> unless you just want to move volume of traffic, and it doesn't even do that that well. Fun <laughs> roads is not a thing that Dallas has, yeah. He would prefer to keep the Fiesta for, a, for at least a little while longer. The replacement would be the road tripper. Dog taxi, Facebook marketplace hauler, car camping, clamping, hiking, gear, base camp, like do-it-all it. car. I like it. The Facebook marketplace hauler is hysterical to me. That's the the replacement for the Craigslist pickup car. It's just like, look what we just found. <laughs> this, we, sh- we don't need this, but I got it for a deal. Let's go get it. Uh-huh. Their budget is $30,000, which includes the Jeep being sold. Okay. They prefer five doors. He didn't mistype. He and his wife both have an affinity for wagons, and Austin will compromise on certain SUVs. Okay. Preferably highway fuel economy at or around 30, 30 miles per gallon. All right. Well, this is where the Prius enters the discussion. I see it. Yeah. <laughs> I see why you've suggested it. Plenty of room for luggage and gear for road trips and outdoor activities. Not opposed to making this happen with the roof racks and the roof box, so that Got is it. good. And the list of cars, well, mostly Austin, that he's been tossing around so far include the Buick Regal Tour X. You never see those. I never see those. They're, they're, when, I, when I do, that always turns my head. They're, they're actually really? cool because they're interesting. Actually, I did see one at my mechanic, my 928 mechanic. Just like, oh my gosh, there's one right there. It's, I, you know, and it came in colors, too. I hate to say it to go down this rabbit trail, but the last one I saw actually for sale was sitting at a dealership in a fantastic red. And I was like... Why Why is that sitting there? I mean, I don't need it, but someone should buy that. You kind of wonder how that car came to be. Agreed. What was the discussion? Yeah. It's, it's almost as weird as the <laughs> Nissan Murano convertible. Yes, it's just like, that. what was the progression that led to this being sold to the general public? Whiteboard out the process mm-hmm. from start to finish. How did that car come to exist? <laughs> Show me the bubble chart Show and me get me to the Regal Tour <laughs> X. They've also considered a Toyota Prius V, okay. Toyota RAV4 Hybrid, which is excellent, mm-hmm. and the Chevy Volt. Okay. Austin is lost in the transitive properties of wagons. If wagons are cool and the Prius V is a wagon, then <laughs> is the Prius V cool? <laughs> He's kind of painted himself into a corner and gone, darn it, maybe I need to get a Prius. It's, He's lost. And it's very hard for him to say that he's been considering a Prius, but he likes the thought of a wagon that gets incredible fuel economy and has room for everything we need. Being a former Tesla salesman, he knows that mm. he loves electric motor acceleration, but he also appreciates a turbo and a nicely balanced car. What if Tesla built wagons? Does that mean they would be like the end all but be see, all? see, they wouldn't just do a wagon in the same way they didn't no, just they do wouldn't. an SUV. It would be some weird bulbous thing that looks kind of like the rest of their lineup, but different. And the wagon wouldn't open uh, like a wagon because it just can't. No, it, it can't. Has to open it, like it'd have to else. like fold three times sideways yeah. or something. Yeah. It would be the equivalent of Falcon doors, but on the back of a wagon, be like the fishtails. Like, stop it. Now, that's interesting. Anyway, yeah, yeah, I'm here for you. Huh. Well, Austin has driven all of these above-named cars, but not with his wife. Okay. And that will ensue as they approach the demise of the Jeep. Like it. All right. Good. His question is, with a fun car already in the garage, do we think they should go for a tool-for-the-job kind of car or something with more character to join the already interesting hatchback in the stable? 
first off, I want to I want to go straight to the heart of this question and talk about the Prius for a second. You have got a fun car that you love, and you now have got an area where you can drive the fun car. So congratulations. That's amazing. It sounds like the Jeep, which has done what you needed to do, is something that you're glad to see go, which is interesting as well. Mm-hmm. There is nothing wrong with you getting a tool for the job in this scenario. We talk about it all the time. Having tools for jobs, especially if one of them is, here's my fun car and here's the family hauler, there's nothing wrong with that. That's the lives that we live and a lot of us True. live. There's nothing wrong with a tool for the job. True. And I will say, moving to the Prius, if the Prius does all the things you want it to do, then yes, it's a great choice. But my question for you is, do you, Austin, want to own and drive a Prius? Because part of the equation is not just does it do the things, but do I want to be in it and drive it? And Prius drive math it, says yes. Well, because he thinks wagons are cool. If you drive it and you decide, yeah, all right, yeah, you and your wife, you're like, yeah, you know what? I don't mind driving this. I like driving this. Let's get this. This is cool. You, you've actually had a crazy amount of fun in a Prius before when, when it's been a rental. Well, you've made it fun by trying to hurt it. Because it was a rental and I tried to hurt it. Uh-huh. Yes, exactly. So there are ways to make a Prius fun. But my question for you is, Austin, are you going to be, because this is the worst. This is the thing that the show is founded on stopping. Okay, where you have a car that you kind of shuffle off to because you need it. I don't want the Prius to be that. If the Prius is like, you know what, this is exactly what we need and I like it, then get the Prius. If it's exactly what we need and I don't like it, do not buy the Prius. Yeah, I'm with you there. I'm really leaning toward character, Austin. I have some thoughts for you, but I'm excited to hear what you think. I mean, someday Toyota is going to build a Prius that is actually fun to drive, and I'm going to eat eating crow meat They are a slice of humble pie on the side. They are so good with their hybrid as a result of essentially testing it out in the Prius platform that all their hybrids are pretty good. It's going to come out, it's going to be mildly fun to drive, and I'm going to mutter, rah, 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 I can't believe this is fun to drive. Grr. <laughs> but right now, they're not. Fair, fair. And you have to decide range versus economy. Mm. Because I'm hearing 30 miles to the gallon, but I'm mainly hearing road trips, which yeah, says agreed. range. Sure, yeah, yeah. I'm curious, being a former Tesla salesman, why aren't you considering a Tesla? I was kind of surprised Why by is that, that too. off the table? Yeah. You sold Teslas to other people. Well, you don't really, they sell themselves. You don't really have to do anything. You just sort of show them the colors and the you take swatches down the information and, and yeah. guide them to a laptop and they place the order. You don't really have to do much, right? Am I off base here? <laughs> we may be getting angry letters, but that's funny. I do <laughs> Am like I it. Off? All right, yeah. But nevertheless, you had to demonstrate the car and you mm-hmm. had to promote Tesla and yeah, promote yeah, what yeah. they did. I did notice and, that he's not shopping one at all. Yeah, that's kind of weird to me. I agree. I'm curious. So that says to me, you want range. No, Teslas do have great range, mm-hmm. Yeah, more than the 30 miles per gallon economy. Okay, so you're just going to get something with low range, but a huge gas tank. Huge engine. Escalade V is for you, my friend. <laughs> you could get it with the extra big gas tank. Go, go. Yeah. yeah. I mean, my top choice in this line of thinking is a Porsche Cayenne e-hybrid. Oh, okay. Yeah, low 20 miles, like 22, maybe 24. Yeah. 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 The problem is slightly used, they're $85,000. Depending, you have to go back further. <laughs> this is back, a problem. Back, 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 back. Now, if you could go back far enough and still get one with low enough miles that you still like it and it's still within your budget, yeah. that could be a consideration. Yeah. But a 2020, 2021, slightly no. used... Not gonna You're going to be in like 2015s for your budget. Yeah. So do you yeah. want to go back that far? That's as old as your Jeep is right now. And it may yeah, have close true. to your Jeep mileage. Anyway, yeah. yeah. That's true. So we're not really solving anything by doing that. I'm also not solving anything by suggesting a Volvo V60 hybrid. That's my second choice. Mm. Wagon, hybrid, cool, different, yes. fun to drive. All of the above is cool. Too expensive. I was going to say the price isn't going to work, but otherwise very cool. 
So sticking with Volvo, what about the XC60 Recharge? Oh, okay. Interestingly, right. the XC90, XC60 are actually plug-in hybrids. The XC40 Recharge is electric only. Mm-hmm. Yep. But the XC60 Recharge is a nice size. It's still about the size of your Jeep Grand Cherokee, which you like, and it meets all those things, mm-hmm. but it would get better gas mileage. The problem still here is budget. We're sure. still yeah, yeah. massaging the budget a little bit. So I came all the way down to two gas-powered cars, okay. the BMW X1 and the Mazda CX-5 Turbo. Hmm. Fun to drive, still about the same mm-hmm. size that you're looking for, both good-looking. There's character to both of these. True, I true, think true. you would enjoy yeah. both of these, and now you're going to have to plug in what year and mileage will fit the budget that you're Agreed. actually willing. Yep. I know you've suggested 30, but depending on the right car, you might be flexible there if mm-hmm. you find the right a great X1 comes by and you think, you know what? BMW still does great driving cars. Yeah. They st- and yeah, it yeah. does manifest itself in that X1. Sure it does. You could even go back farther. Wasn't there an X1 with a manual transmission? I don't, I think like, so, but I'm not sure how like likely a, that is to uh, find. It's very possible. Like 13. I seem yeah. to recall something like that. But nevertheless, you'd have something that is Jeep-ish, Jeep-sized. Sure. Better looking, ready for miles. Ready mm, to, to go have fun with. Because if you do the Prius, I predict that you will solve everything, but you'll have checked off all the boxes on a list. Yeah. You still won't yeah. have a car that you love and you run outside and you're like, huh, Fiesta ST today or the Prius? Fiesta ST, it is. <laughs> Honey, I can, I can, I'm taking my car again. <laughs> I can fit yeah. something back there. I'll just leave the hatch open and drag it down the road. Sure. <laughs> the piece of furniture or whatever. I'll just put it on a skateboard. and Fiesta with a tow hitch. <laughs> solved. Yes. I want you to have something that you'll look at both of them. Both of you, you and your wife, look at both of them and think, what are we doing today? What, mm. what do you need to do? Mm-hmm. Huh. And have that choice, that desire for choice. And both of them would still be like, you know what? I, I do have to haul things, but I am no loser by selecting the keys for the CX-5 Turbo. I have not lost. I'm okay. going to have fun. Yeah, okay. That's what I want for That's you. That's a good one. Austin, I love this discussion because I, I see you checking boxes like Paul is talking about, and I totally get why the Prius seems like it works. But Prius I just, math. But I really do want you to drive it and think about just the ownership part of you are walking out to the parking lot getting in a Prius and then driving it away down whatever fun back road you normally would take your Fiesta on. How are you with that? And if you're okay with it, then great. Hmm. The Buick's in a similar category. I think the Buick is interesting. I think it's really interesting that you're looking at one of those. But I but I want the same thing for you. Go find one. Go drive one. It's going to be kind of hard. Drive one and see what you think about it as a driving experience versus just checking boxes, which leads me, when I actually look at your list, I think you are the perfect buyer for one specific car, and you can find it at your budget. You're going to find them used, but you can find them like crazy. You may have to come to our area to find the right one. But you've said road tripper, dog hauler, Facebook marketplace hauler, car camping, climbing and hiking gear, do it all. It is a wagon first and foremost. You need a super Outback. Seriously. Just get a super Outback, Seriously. I, okay, but let me put it to you this really? way, Paul. Would you buy an Outback or a Prius? Outback. An outback. You see it. what I'm saying? Dang you see, it. see how I got there? Yes. And it's over 30 miles to the gallon. Yeah. If you have anywhere in that you guys want to go for climbing or hiking or whatever that is an off-road trail, Super Outback, you do that instead of your Prius. You see a little fire road in your Prius, you'd be like, I guess we'll be okay. You see it in your Outback, you're like, let's just take that road. Can you throw tuning parts at it, Austin, for parts for no reason? Just make it have more power and braking ability and suspension. And just, like, I just throw parts at it. Throw I, money I at it. I think you are absolutely in need of a Subaru Outback. It is the wagon that – here's the thing I find hysterical. I talk about it all the time. The fact that Americans do not buy wagons. 
And somehow there's this bubble over the Subaru Outback (laughs) that doesn't count. And they sell them as fast as they can make them. And they've been around for so long that with your 30 grand, you're going to find one for sure. And look, I don't like that it has a CVT because I don't like CVTs. But it's it's one of the best all-wheel drive systems in a proven platform that gets the gas mileage that you want that is a wagon that drives better than the Prius. I think you need to go get yourself a Subaru Outback. Can you at least have your vanity plate say, send it? Or something? (laughs) (laughs) I mean, you're right. Every car manufacturer has tried to make an Outback uh-huh. in some form Mazda or another. Mazda has the CX-50. The CX-50. Yeah, which is a good Audi's alt. Audi's called theirs the All-Road. Yep. Volvo's ca- called theirs the Cross-Countries. Mm-hmm. They've tried to do the Outback thing better, but they cannot match the price. Yeah, and the miles per gallon is great on that car. I mean, mid, mm-hmm. low to mid-30s is what, the, is what the Outback gets. Yeah. And as much as they are a plague on our part of the country, you just see so many and so many drivers that are terrified behind the wheel while they drive it. It is a plague. But I totally, anytime we get one as a press car, I go, yep, I see it. I get it. I understand. I don't want one, but I totally get it. And Austin, I think for what you need, right car for this job. Only if you don't get that Onyx edition and white. Get a Please don't get white. Get a color. Don't get white and don't get like that gray that looks like we forgot to paint it. Seriously. (laughs) Which they might have. They might (laughs) have. Some great questions here. First from Ryan C. on Facebook. Since U.S. dealers are all going markup crazy, are there programs with the Japanese similar to the Europeans where you can buy a Z car or a Type R or a Supra Mm. and go drive it in Japan and ship it home at a cost-effective price? You know, listeners, I'm not aware. I don't think there is either. I suppose you could talk to them about it, but I've never really heard anything about it, read articles or... You know, any journalists extol the virtues of buying the overseas program, overseas to us at least. Yeah, the other thing about it is I wonder, is the fact of driving on the other side of the road with the steering wheel on the other side an issue to have to surmount in a situation like that? You go to Germany and you buy a BMW. Mm -hmm. You're buying one. Or I guess, but you could do that program from England, I guess, and get a right-hand drive. I don't I wonder how that works. That's interesting. I guess all the British manufacturers would do the same similar yeah, I guess thing, I guess right? if you're a UK driver, somebody somebody write us and, and inform uh, us on curious. this because I'm wondering if you're a UK driver buying a European delivery BMW, are you getting a right-hand drive car out of the factory? Because I think this has to be part of the hurdle about getting a car out of the Japanese factory. It would I don't know that they're going to release one out of the factory directly that is left-hand drive into a right-hand drive market. I think that's got to be one of the hurdles. I've never heard of this for Japan. I think they can take delivery of it at BMW Volt. BMW World yes, in Munich, but then you've got a right-hand drive car and a left-hand drive country. Which is fine. I mean, people from the UK drive through through Europe all the time. Of course, of course. But I I just now thought of that. I've never thought about that part of the equation. I've never heard of this happening in Japan. It'd be cool if it did. Mr. Singleton on Instagram is asking me if I'm ever going to get a heated driveway. (laughs) What, have you heard me complain about my driveway before? Instead, this year I bought a super beefy, uh, it's terrifying, a super beefy uh, snowblower like I'm going to throw down this year. So we're going we're gonna to toss some snow around. So what's going to happen is it's not going to snow at all. But no, but, but the bigger thing here, Mr. Singleton, is my driveway is unexpectedly long. And just getting, yeah, it, it, I'm just getting it repaved was an astronomical fee. So getting it repaved while getting it heated is not in the cards. I mean, if money falls from the sky, sure, I'll heat my driveway. But for now, 
I bought the big heavy-duty snowblower that will probably chew me up, and we'll just go do that. Evie Sup asks, what road trip we most want to take but haven't been able to take yet? Well, we still have trip number four. We tried going to Austin Mm -hmm. back in February of 2021, but we were thwarted because of ice storms. Yes. And so we're we're looking ahead to taking that trip again soon, and that will be the fourth and final trip for our Cars of the Past series. Mm -hmm. The trip number three, as Todd said, is currently an edit, and that will be coming out hopefully in a month or so. About a month or so, yeah. But yeah, we're looking forward to going back to Austin, and you can find under on our adventures tab at everydaydriver.com, you can find the meetup for Friday, November 18th, 2022. Mm-hmm. We're having a dinner. We'd love to see if you're in the area, Texas area. We'd love to see you and, and uh, come by. So that is uh, a trip we're looking forward to. Some others that we have bubbling, we haven't talked quite through yet. True, and true, true. You know, it's not fair to say. And say one of which. our trips, we discovered a road that we want to go back to. I don't want to talk about that. You want to go back to and really cover one road better. So that's mm, the discussion. Yeah. Well. There's so many good things. Alex on Twitter is asking if the Nissan Z is more of a canyon carver or a grand tour. Alex, find our Z car versus 86 piece that actually plays on Amazon. It also plays on YouTube. Find that new Z car piece we dropped not that long ago. It talks about this in detail. I would ultimately say to you that it is more Grand Tour than Canyon Carver. If you're looking at it as a cross country car, I think it is a good cross country car. I also think it's a good commute car. Mm, Yeah. Lawrence D writes, seven years ago, he bought his first mid-engine car, a year 2000 MR2 Spider. Okay. That was a gateway to his addiction, and now he's got a 987 Boxster and a 981 Cayman. Well done. (laughs) Okay. So far, he's liked every mid-engine car that he's ever driven. Now he's never driven a Ferrari 488, an Evora, or a Fiat X19 for that matter. But his question is, is there a bad mid-engine car? Hmm. If it's good dynamics, it doesn't matter what year it was built. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. older cars are certainly softer. They don't have as much technology and much technology in the build process. Modern cars are phenomenal. Sure, sure. They're generally better. But if it's a mid-engine car that's old and you like it and you can do minimal things to it to enjoy it. I mean, you're already driving a 22-year-old 20, 20, MR2 Spider. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Fiat X19s are from the 70s. <laughs> the old Lotuses. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Those are still interesting to drive, although things need upkeep, they need yeah. upgrades, you know, maintenance, repairs, all those kinds of things. But if you like that feeling, the architecture itself defines how the car drives, yeah, it, not it, the age of the car. That specific mid-engine rotation, if that's something that connects to you. And I know a lot of people that don't like it. They'd much rather have the engine either fully out front or maybe in the tail in a 911. And mid-engine just feels weird. Mm-hmm. Okay, I, I've met those people, talked to those people. I love mid-engine feel. It's phenomenal. It. But you've connected with it. And so I think that in general is something you're going to enjoy. I'm having trouble finding, thinking of one. I mean, some of, the, some of the decades of the Lotus stuff, even though we haven't driven them all, I know some of the Esprits were far better than others. And I imagine there were some that weren't great. I've actually heard that the Dinos aren't great to drive. Mm. You know, and that's a mid-engine. That, those fact, intrigue me. I agree. And, and they, we've joked about it before. You know, five years ago, those were forty grand for the nicest one on the planet, and now they're a quarter million dollars. And it's the same car, by the way. It doesn't drive different now five years later. <laughs> but I, I've never heard great things about those. But you know, another one I've heard of, actually, is the Ferrari 308. Oh. I've heard that drives very average. Oh, okay. It drives fine. But, you know, you, you kind of want that mid-engine feel to feel really exotic. And I have consistently heard people yeah, tell me that the 308 yeah. is perfectly acceptable to drive when it runs. It certainly lends itself to shapes that are more exotic looking. For sure, that absolutely. definitely taps yeah. into aesthetics and why you want to The 308 it. and the Dino yeah. were the inspiration for the styling look of my Elise. And you can see it when you know No that. kidding. Absolutely. Really? Yeah, for sure. 
That's interesting. I can see some shapes. Yeah, I can see mm-hmm. that. Very cool. Linus Y asks, why did automakers stop putting manual transmissions in trucks? No one makes a truck anymore for doing real truck stuff. <laughs> I have some thoughts here too, Linus. <laughs> this is interesting. Well, you have to look at sales numbers. Mm-hmm. And people voted with their wallets. Yep. If the manual transmission trucks aren't selling because the clutches are too stiff, for example, or it's just too difficult to shift, or it just seems too hard to drive, well, you want an automatic. It makes it easier to drive. Plus, for towing, you can tow a lot with an automatic transmission. Yeah. Trucks nowadays, the big ones, the F-350s, they tow a lot. True. So people ultimately voted with their wallets, mm-hmm. and they use trucks you just don't want to have that interaction because you you don't want to drive a school bus. You want to drive, you know, have a smaller car feel mm-hmm. on a large pickup truck. I agree with all of that. Also, this makes me think of an interesting conversation I have with my dad because my dad legitimately grew up on a farm. Okay. And his dad was a farmer. Dad okay. was a farmer, had a trucking company, did a lot of little things in this tiny little town in Kansas. And they had work trucks. And at the time that my dad, because we, we, he and I got in one of these loaded out truck press cars. A couple mm-hmm. months ago, and mm-hmm. it started this whole conversation about trucks because he just sat there. Of course, he's just not as in tune anyway. He just sat there boggled by what this truck <laughs> right. was, right? Right. And and the thing is, Linus, the first thing I want to say is, and this connects to, back to this story, trucks became luxury vehicles. Yeah. Trucks became yeah. a thing. Right, And I think it's around the same time. You remember in the 80s and 90s, exotic cars didn't have to be good to be in. They just had to be exotic. True. But then all of those buyers essentially said in mass, unacceptable needs to be exotic and still good to be in. And it revolutionized exotic cars. The same thing happened to pickups. When my dad was growing up, up through right around the time that you and I were in high school, I remember uh, trucks in high school that were just low end, okay? Then the Lincoln Blackwood happened. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) But but, but the reality is that trucks used to be the cheapest runaround thing you could buy from a manufacturer. Mm -hmm. You could go down. This was my dad's experience because they always had one on the farm. It was the lowest totem pole, buy it off the lot, manual transmission, cloth seats, base pickup. Yeah, that's a great point. And they ran them until they died because it was a farm truck. Okay? That doesn't exist anymore. The closest thing we have now is the Maverick, and it's not those things. Okay? But what happened is, kind of like the exotic buyer said, this needs to be better and still do these things, truck buyers said the same thing. I wanted to do all the truck stuff, tow my house off its foundations while dragging the boat along as well. But you know what? I'd really like the air conditioner to be amazing, and I'd like some massage seats, and these seats should be heated while I'm at it, and why don't I have more cubbies? And this isn't a very nice place to sit. So now you have, look at the, the Ram TRX, okay? Yeah, that's a great example. Yeah. Sitting still, that's a nice place to be in. It's just a nice place to sit. Hasn't done anything yet. But then it also can tow crazy things. But then it also can jump crazy things because we want all of the above. So a base, manual transmission, bench seat, cloth seat pickup, no one wants that. Which is funny, Linus, because everybody wants a manual transmission sports car and is willing to accept the automotive, the car equivalent mm. of the base stripped down manual, just fun to drive. Sure. But we're not willing to accept it because what you said, Todd, that luxury feeling means I don't have to do anything. Mm-hmm. I don't have to engage all the mechanics of this giant beastly truck. I can just drive it. Mm-hmm. And I want all the luxury of the amenities. That's a great point. Well done. It's fascinating how my dad just kind of shook his head and was like, we used to buy farm trucks. I was like, Dad, we're a long like, way from this, farm this trucks. This is a $90,000 truck. This is not a farm <laughs> truck. 
We've had a question on Instagram in honor of Halloween. What's the spookiest thing a car enthusiast could dress up as? Well, first off, you have to be going to a party of lots of other car enthusiasts, so they're just not going to get it. (laughs) There is that for sure. Uh, I actually think it probably is just the repair bill. (laughs) <laughs> or or it is a, it is a mechanic in the in the coverall with like a lot of oil on it who really would like a second of your time can i just talk can i just talk to you for a second <laughs> no 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 <laughs> have you seen your air filter look how dirty your air filter is <laughs> let me tell you what else is wrong mike m on facebook says why do we get to a point where manufacturers feel like leather is a premium option for performance vehicles mm. Compared to options like suede or Alcantara or even plain cloth, leather is terrible for keeping your butt in the seat during True. spirited driving. True. A hundred percent. Yeah, the inserts in the Cayman GTS are Alcantara mm-hmm. with leather side bolsters. And, and you wear those Velcro pants, so you don't go anywhere. You're right. It's, <laughs> it comes with a wardrobe when you buy your sports car. Yes, it is the premium material. I'm still laughing at why is wood the premium material. Do you have any idea how thin that veneer is? Uh-huh. It's almost paint. Yeah. It's not quite, but it's shaved so thin and yeah. it's laminated on top of plastic because we can't have wood splintering and stabbing yes. people in a yeah. crash. <laughs> Leather is always and will remain the luxurious material. Mm-hmm. And that's what says luxury. And I only think now that people are starting to really think about performance driving. You know what? That probably isn't the best material to be sliding mm-hmm. around on mm-hmm. because you want to have a luxury, expensive, exotic car well, naturally, we just do leather. But I think it was proliferated because of Ferrari. And the oh. word Connolly. Okay. Connolly leather. Yeah. Not rich Corinthian leather from the 80s, but Connolly leather. That <laughs> was a Cadillac thing, wasn't it? Anyway, yeah. <laughs> that was uh, New Yorker, Chrysler, New Yorker. There you go. There it is. Very good. Yes. But Connolly leather on a Ferrari signified most luxurious, most expensive, mm-hmm. and most performance. Sure. I think Ferrari is to blame for that. If they were truly all about it, they wouldn't have put leather in there, but they want to sell expensive cars to high-end clientele mm-hmm. who won't always drive them on the track. Yeah. Interesting. Okay. I That's think good. that kind of era and thinking, well, of course, Ferrari's doing it, Connolly leather. We've got to have the Connolly, so let's get the leather and put the leather. Wait a minute. This is going to be on track. I don't want to be sliding around. What am I thinking? <laughs> <laughs> I, Very I good. think that realization has happened. Guys, thank you so much for all your questions. We're always looking forward to next time. And next, next time, time is crazy, by the it's way. It's going to be yeah. a lot of crazy questions. All so. kinds of questions. Bring one over. We, we won't talk about religion or politics, but pretty much everything else is on the table. That can be movies. That can be other design stuff. We we are always surprised yeah, by some sure. of the questions that pop up. We'll be reading them as fast as we can. We're definitely looking forward to it. Cheers, guys.